Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. It's day 755 of the J6 political hostage crisis. I'm Mel Hawley, and this is your Justice in Jeopardy update. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Justice in Jeopardy. I'm Mel Hawley, and I'm joined today by Chris Alberts. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? Pretty good, Mel. How about yourself? Not bad. Chris is a J6er. We're, we're going to let him share his story today, get out any message that he wants to get out. Chris, why don't you start by by just kind of telling us, um, you know, who you were before January 6th, what your life was like, uh, you know, your occupation, your family, anything you want to share? Yeah, I mean, prior to J6, I was like every other typical American, uh, you know, went to work, <laughs> paid my bills, spent time with my family. Um, I have a military background, if you can't tell from the awards behind me. Um, I enlisted at 18 years old, deployed to Iraq in 2007 to 2008. Um, I'm your typical American. I don't force anything on anybody. I want to be left alone and go about my business and just live a peaceful life. But um, as we can see, Good men can no longer stand by and just not do anything. Um, this country's falling apart because of that. And it's time people really need to wake up and realize what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what what made you decide to go to the Capitol on January 6th? Um, for a few reasons, mainly, you know, obviously our First Amendment protects the right to, you know, petition and governor or petition our government for grievances and the right to assembly. I mean, they, all these trials are telling everybody they don't have a right to be there. Well. Yeah, we did. Whether or not they want to accept the reason why we were there is a different story, but we did have every right to be there. Um, you know, wanted to give our elected officials that voice to just investigate the election. That's all everybody wanted. There was no attempt to stop the peaceful transition of power or however else they want to spin it like they are. Um, majority of that crowd was peaceful. And no fires were set, you know, nothing like that, as we see on the news. Fiery, but mostly peaceful. There was none of that there. It was literally people uh, addressing their government for a grievance. It was, and then it turned into what it turned into because of the police instigation and the violence that they started. I mean, the the 14,000 hours of footage they're hiding, all of that will show that what we went there for was what we went there for, not what they're saying. And that's why they're not releasing it. They don't yeah. want to show women. They don't want to show women and children being gassed because that changed the narrative of a big bunch of white males storming the Capitol. So they don't want anybody to get away from that narrative. Yeah. Did you go with anybody? Did you go with a group or, or did you go by yourself? Um, I went by my, I met up, they had a bus leaving from my town, you know, met up on 95. I wasn't going to ride a bus, just I, I like to drive. So I'm kind of stubborn in my ways. I was like, oh, I'm driving myself. I'm driving myself home. So personally, I didn't know anybody, no. And I went down by myself, parked in a parking garage and walked my way to the ellipsis, you know, to, to be with the crowd of million plus patriots. It was, it was a beautiful day. Yeah, it was absolutely a beautiful day. Do you remember the the big flag that was being passed around with everybody under it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so when I got there, um, you know, with my military background, I was mainly really walking around, kind of keeping an eye on the crowd. Um, you know, there's always agitators at these things that 
try to blend in. Um, and most people that go to these crowds aren't watching their shoulders. You know, most guys like me, I'm in a, a, a crowded group that big and I'm looking at everybody. I'm looking at eyes and I'm looking at hands. So, um, you know, I saw the big American flag. I saw the jumbotron that they had put up on the one side of the ellipse to, for everybody to see the speech because there were so many people there that there was no more room. They had to make a secondary viewpoint for everybody. Um, you know, you can go all the way to the monuments and just the crowd of flags and people was massive. Was oh, yeah. Huge. Yeah, it was. I, you know, I, I've been to uh, I went to the March for Life for, for many years and, uh, you know, they they actually had cameras set up on top of a building uh, for at least a few of the years where you know, everybody would pass by on the way to the Supreme Court and they were actually able to get a, a fairly decent count of people uh, using using that method. And, uh, you know, I've been there when when there were, you know, 750,000 to a million people there and uh, having stood up on the scaffolding and uh, taken video of, of the crowd as far as it went out. I mean, you know, I would I would hazard to say that it was, you know, close to two million people. Yeah, that's that's where I sit. Anywhere between like one and a half to like two and a half million. It it was definitely because I mean, by the time I got to the Capitol, you know, we'll get there here in a few, but there were still people coming to the ellipse, and yet the crowd was already at like the the line of people were at all the way from the White House around the ellipse, all the way down Constitution to the Capitol around the. I mean. You can't count everybody that was there. It would, it would, it would take forever. Good luck, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, but they don't. Again, they they keep saying it was a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. You know, these small numbers. They want to make it sound like it was just a small fraction of America there. But what they don't want you to know is that, like, I mean, look at the American Gulag's website. Every state has had at least one person arrested. They are not stopping. Yeah. So, so you went on and, and, and journeyed toward uh, the Capitol. Did you, did you see anything interesting along the way, any interesting characters or anything like that? Um, not so much on the walk there. Um, so when I arrived at the Capitol, I guess you would say the Capitol wall is that little brick wall that goes around the, gar the grounds or whatever. Um, there was no barriers there. People were already on the Capitol grounds. So I just, I walked over the steps, walked right up the sidewalk. Um, you know, I heard the explosions in the distance and I'm like, okay, this is crazy. Like, why are they throwing riot control devices on people who are just like literally just getting to the Capitol steps? Like maybe a couple hundred people at most, like there's no reason for this. Um, and when I got to the West side staircase by the scaffolding where I'm assuming you were at, um, that's where I noticed Benjamin Phillips on the ground hmm. getting CPR. Um, I offered to help. The cop said, no, you know, we, you know, we have it under control. And I was like, well, you're not breathing for him. You can't exactly do CPR if you're not going to breathe for the guy. He's like, well, we don't do that anymore. And I'm just like, why? Because of, because of COVID? I'm like, I have a CPR face shield in my, my med kit. Like, let me help you guys out. And I have on camera, one of the officers coming up. And after this uh, slight uh, verbal exchange, he was like, if you want to help, you know, help keep the crowd back so we can get this guy out of here. And I was like, Okay. And, you know, everybody was staying off the sidewalk. I, it was me and like two other people literally telling the crowd at this point it amassed very quickly. I mean, we're talking went from a couple hundred to a couple thousand real quick. Um, but I was literally just walking up and down the sidewalk like, hey, everybody stay back. They're trying to get medics in here. Um, you know, 30 minutes goes by still throwing tear gas into this crowd, 
at their own officers, you know, the Capitol police officers are down there with us being gassed and having rubber bullets shot at them at the same time as we are. And they're all just like, they're not telling us to leave the Capitol police weren't, but yet DC shows up and they just unleash this whirlwind of munitions. Um, they finally got, when they finally got Benjamin out, um, sorry, just gets a little thinking about it in my head. They brought the riot cops in um, and just kept, just didn't stop. It was so unlike anything I've ever seen. I, I mean, you watch the news with all these other riots and you, you don't see this. You don't see the police with this kind of mentality. I mean. into their own people. We supposed to be supporting Blue Lives Matter. We represent Blue Lives and this is what they do to us. to hurt people. I mean, I've seen officers swinging their, their batons at people behind that scaffolding, um, the mesh wall, and these people couldn't even see what was happening. They were just getting hit and shot and yeah, and you, you didn't know what to do. You couldn't go, you couldn't go back because there's too many people. You couldn't, you couldn't go forward because you were getting beat. You, you, you couldn't hide because you were getting shot. You were getting gassed. I mean, there was no warnings. There was no leave. It, the officers on the west side steps had, you know, they wanted to kill people. I mean, look at the way they treated, you know, um, Guy Raffit, the way they sprayed him. He almost fell off the steps. I was right there when that happened. Um, they pushed Derek Varga off the steps right in front of me. I mean, these same officers that they're trying to say that I assaulted tried to attempt to kill people. And they attempted murder on Capitol grounds and they're getting away with it. They, they, they get awarded and it's yeah you you seem to have went, witnessed a lot a, a lot of really horrific things just you personally yeah there's um you know for the eight months that i thought derek was dead yeah i mean uh it wasn't until david uh summerall from stop hate called me up one day and because he knew i was suffering through it and he he's like dude he's like i got some great news for you i mean not great news, but um, he basically told me that Derek was alive, and I still have nightmares seeing it. I can't watch the video. I don't even need to watch the video. I can hear it, and I know what's happening. Um, but yeah, it uh, it, and again, you know, they don't they they cut the video of Derek being pushed out of my video, out of my evidence. They cut two minutes of the video of the steps, and it's the exact moment that they pushed Derek off. Wow. So the government doesn't even want to admit 
the video evidence that proves it. Just like they lied about my arresting officer's body cam for a year and a half. I was told it didn't exist and it didn't exist. And I'm like, well, this dude bludgeonly beating me over the back of the head with his baton against all of their policies. And you're telling me that the, the one body cam that I need just magically didn't upload. And sure enough, it, it existed. They were just hiding it. And they did, they were pretty shocked to find out that I found it. So it's... um. I'm so glad you found it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, I could tell people that I'm not crazy anymore because I, I, I seen the video. I can't show it to anybody because it's labeled secret or sensitive or whatever other designation they want to feel like giving it. And pretty messed up. And we, we have a lot, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that we have and that we found. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's coming out and, and it's so true. We, we need that 14,000 hours. But they're, they're even editing that because some of the footage that they released for the Proud Boys trial, and it's in my case file as well, is part of that 14,000 hours. But for instance, the one video that shows Ray Epps at the front lines of the West Side Steps, they, um, they put a little like blurry little thing right at the bottom, you know, kind of like a, uh, I don't even know what you want to call it, but um, it's clear that they did that right before Ray Epps pushed us through the line. And it's like, you, you can't, you, you really think they're getting away with this stuff. You know, the one video they have of the side of the steps is like two frames per second in the video. And there's no, there, modern video recording doesn't record that slow. So what are they hiding? And it shows that what they're hiding is the cops doing what I said, beating people and antagonizing the crowd and gassing this crowd. They don't want to show any of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gary McBride with M5 News has done a really good job of, uh, you know, putting together a lot of the the police agitation and brutality. Yeah, he's a I, he's like a walk in a video recording database. I mean, I mentioned where I was to him one day, and within five minutes, he had found like five different officers' body cams from that exact area. I mean, all I had to do was say where I was when I got arrested and he knew exactly where to look, what officers to go for on this guy. Gary is people need to find his Gibson go on and donate. Keep that man in DC. Cause we need him there. He is yeah. something else. He, he is. <laughs> He's really been given a gift to, to find this stuff and, and to pick things out. Um, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. And he's found videos that, you know, other, I don't even think the prosecution knew existed. I mean, the way the things he's found, I mean, I have him on camera admitting that they hadn't announced the curfew yet when they arrested me. But yet they're trying to say I was in violation of curfew, but it hadn't been announced. The, 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 the lead officer of the group of guys down there said that they hadn't admitted it yet. And it's all, you know, through things that he found. And the narrative is just falling apart all because of think people like you, people like him, David Summerall, I mean, just the the narrative is falling apart. Not fast enough, but it's it's getting there slowly but surely. Yeah, they they do they do not want to uh, to to give the defendants or allow in the courtrooms uh, any of the exculpatory evidence. We've seen it over and over. Yeah, it's um, and then and then the, again the the doctoring of video. I mean, they're using like the Proud Boys trial. They're using stuff from. You know, four months prior, what does that have anything relevant to do with January 6th? You know, it, it, nothing. They just wanted to show it because it showed a meeting between him and another guy. And it's so, okay, so what? He met somebody. He shook his hand. Big deal. But, you know, oh, they met with this guy. And it's just, they've 
they right now they are controlling the narrative. It's falling apart on them. They realize that. And I think, you know, especially if 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 somebody can make this jury realize that, like, this is exactly everything that the left stands against is the police brutality and the beating of women and children and gassing and and, you know, trying to kill people who are just trying to make their voices heard. Like last time I checked, that's exactly what they're riding against right now is the fact that somebody was shot. You know, granted, he shot at cops, but other people were injured and arrested in the process. And they're making a big deal about it because they're saying that the cops over, well, A and B, apples, oranges, your left or right, same thing happened, but yet nobody seems to care. I mean, I saw a CNN article today and the prosecutors for that guy are complaining that 20 hours of video are hidden from the police body cam. 20 hours? You're, you're, you're complaining about 20 hours and you think that there's going to be more crimes charged against these people if the 20 hours is revealed? Well, what about the 14,000 hours? If that gets revealed, what about the charges that get dropped from all these people? Yeah. All the lives ruined. Everybody that has lost their job, has lost their bank account. I've lost my Airbnb account. I mean, how many, how much, how much more of being demoralized and dehumanized am I supposed to take? This leads to genocide. That's, that's where this goes. You cannot dehumanize a group of individuals and live next door to them. If you think that they're beneath you, Yeah. that's that's what was where the concentration camps came from. That's the same thing we did with the Indians, same thing we did with, the Japanese after Pearl Harbor, we put them in camps. I mean, we're not perfect, but when the American people no longer stand together and say that we all have these rights, we all deserve the same treatment, and we all are tired of this shit, nothing's going to change. Yeah, and and the problem is, you know, this has been going on. You know, a lot is finally coming out now, but it's been it's been over two years. And uh, as we've seen before, with so many other things, whether it's, you know, Russiagate or, or, or whatever it is, uh, that the narrative has been pushed out by the media. And, uh, and, and when, when the truth comes out, these people are, are never, never know, never know the difference. They still believe this. And, uh, you know, we, we come across people on, you know, on our side, on the conservative side, uh, day after day who uh, are, are even believing the narrative themselves, you know, this insurrection, riot, attack on the Capitol, all of that. And and that's what's so hard is, is to change people's uh, mind when it's been made up and they've believed the media for so long that, uh, you know, they, they don't want to change uh, what they believe. And it's it's just, it's impossible. Yeah, it's, a, it's an uphill battle. I mean, but all it takes is that one person, that one person changes their mind. I mean, we can't think that we haven't done this before. I mean, look at how scared they got about the walkaway movement prior to the last election. You know, Facebook deleted walk away after they got 500,000 plus people to admit that they were leaving the Democrat Party and switching to conservatism and voting Republican. I mean, we're not losing. If anything, we're winning. They're just so scared that they're trying to control it. But I agree with you. I mean, I've met people that have gone so far down a rabbit hole to say that Ashley Babbitt's not dead and that it was all staged, you know, stunned. And I'm just like, well, the ankle monitor on my ankle says different. I mean, I'm pretty sure that the 70 plus years of federal prison that they're threatening me with is real. But if that's what you really want to believe, 
then, you know, I'm all for it. If that's really what you think, if you really think that was that stage to where they faked all of this, I can't help you. There's nothing I can do to tell that person that that day is, was real. And that day happened the way that the, the Patriots are telling, because that's all the interviews I've watched. Everybody that was there, we all say the same thing. It was a peaceful crowd until DC police showed up and started bombing and gassing women, children, and elderly folks. And then the adult males took a stand. That's the same across the board. You ask the cops what happened and you get this, you get that, you get 5,000 different stories. Oh, well, they started gassing us first and they hit us with fire stings and this, that you don't hear what, like I said, the, they don't even show me on the Capitol steps until after an hour and a half of being there, getting gassed and, and shot with rubber bullets. They don't show any of the prior to me going up the steps. They're, 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 they're literally, that's how scared they are to show the truth. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, the, the whole, you know, Ashley didn't really die. It's crisis actors. She's still alive. I mean, that stuff is, it's insanity in the first place, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I fight that battle daily, you know, on, on different social media platforms, I come across these people trying to say that, and, uh, it, it just sickens me, you know, and, and, and there is a lot of stuff that isn't true. There is a lot of stuff out there in our world that that isn't true, and most of it has been pushed up by the media. But um, you know, you you just got to face up to things. Some things are real; they they really did happen, and <laughs> we we we've got to you know shout it from the rooftops, as I as I always say. Yeah, I mean, look at Brian Sitnik. I mean, they they took a narrative, they ran with it as blatant of a lie that it was. Um, what they don't want you to know about that is, is his fellow officers let him die. Um, not only I did an interview with Tyler Hansen, and not only did I try to help him, but a, a, a gentleman later or earlier in the day, somewhere around three o'clock, noticed Sitnik suffering from a possible stroke, walked him to the police line and said, you guys need to get him help. And they never did. They just put him back online. And I noticed him after I was putting handcuffs and the cops literally were just giving him water, letting him sit on the sidewalk. And I was pleading with them to get him medical aid and they didn't, they just, they just let him sit there on the sidewalk and drink water. And I could clearly tell from 20 feet away that he had suffered a stroke. And you could see the one side of his face was droopy. He was completely lethargic and out of it. And now they're still running with the narrative that it was Trump supporters that sprayed him, And that's what killed him. I mean, I, it's, 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 <laughs> at, at the least, at the least, it's negligent homicide, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it at, it's just like I never thought, I never thought this would, we would be in this kind of world today. Like this is stuff that you hear about in third world countries. What's going on to these guys in the gulag, and what the government's doing about hiding video? I mean, this is stuff you hear about in dictatorships in China and in, in North Korea. This is not, this is not supposed to happen here, and yet here we are and they're not stopping i mean they were already at almost a thousand people and they're talking about another three thousand more it's insane it's insanity it's it's completely and utterly insane it's it is, and it, you know it it makes it hard sometimes to just keep on fighting because uh you know we we feel like we are up against such a brick wall that it's hard to break through it 
And, uh, you know, we've just got to have that hope and we've just got to keep fighting because I'll tell you, and, you know, in, in listening to people who have uh, come from communist countries and are over here telling their story, uh, people who went through it and watched their, their country fall to communism, they will say that there's nothing more important than just keep speaking truth and, and keep uh, being loud about it. And, and doing the best you can to uh, to prevent anything from turning violent, because uh, that's where they come in and crush you. And that's where they, you know, they they turn it in their direction. Yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's what they did. They took January 6th was a peaceful protest. They took it and turned it into what it was and what they show on the media. That's why they only show you the tunnel and the little bit of the West Side. They don't show you the crowd. They don't show you. The women and like I said, the women, they don't even show you the 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 north side of the building like they only show you the one the, the southwest in the tunnel like they don't show anything because they want to show it as violent and and they want to be able to control everything. If they showed the truth. I mean, will there still be people who believe in the BS? I'm sure. But I think majority majority of the people in D.C. would be like, wow, this is the same police department that we awarded Black Lives Matter and Antifa $50 million to because they didn't give enough warning before throwing these same crowd control devices at them. But yet I'm going to, I would only hope in a, a sane human's mind that they could put those two together. But as uh, cult-like as these juries are looking like, I, I, there's no fair trial in that city. I'm sorry. They, they have their juries selected there. This is People need to realize, like you said, people that come here from this other these other countries. I mean, we as Americans, most Americans don't leave the country. We don't go to these other countries. We don't see how other people live. Um, and in all reality, we don't have to take the blinders off and go to any major city. That's what reality is. America is this glimming beacon of hope. It's it's. It's an idea. It can all be taken away in a heartbeat and we can all be living in the slums. But that is what, you know, the the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, those things are supposed to give us the power and keep us from being like those third world countries. But yet when you have a government that can say you don't have a right to the First Amendment and you don't have a right to the second and you don't have a right to the fourth or the fifth and you have a people that are willing to go down that road and say, yeah, those people don't have those rights. We're at a very scary crossroad. Um, this is, like I said earlier, this is, this leads to genocide. This leads to camps. This leads to people being killed in masses. And if you think just because you're an American and that's going to help you, where do you go when that doesn't? We have nowhere to flee. We have no country to run to and claim asylum for political persecution. Where do we go? Nowhere. We have to draw our line in the sand, say enough is enough, and take that stand. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we're definitely the last bastion of hope, and, and the world is watching, you know? And, and I'll tell you, we have uh, some of our, you know, most amazing patriots that we have every night at the DC vigil and they've been there, you know, forever. They're there all the time, uh, is, is the, uh, the Chinese Americans who, who suffered through this in their own country. 
and they are out there just fighting, fighting against communism. They're, they just stand out there and most of them don't even speak English that well. And uh, they, they're just there on the front lines and because uh, they know, they, they know where this goes. Yep. I mean, we, uh, I met up with the truckers convoy when they were, you know, coming around down this way in Hagerstown and the, the Asian Americans came, they literally drove, they loaded up their vans from New York city with chicken, rice, veggies, and out of nowhere, no text, no coordination, nothing like that, loaded up their vans, left from New York to drive all the way down to Maryland to meet up with these truckers to cook them a good, you know, Asian meal from some chicken and some veggies and rice one night for dinner. Hey, that's what that day was. It was people of all walks of life, all religions, all colors, backgrounds. The, the, the rally itself wasn't what they're saying it was a trump rally it was a stop the steal rally which was organized by both democrat and republican it is the biggest next to term limits secure elections is the biggest bipartisan issue that americans agree on we believe that there's something wrong with our election system for the last 40 plus years we've been complaining about it and nothing is done just like for the last 70 plus years we've been Demanding term limits. Oh, I think 80, 87, almost 92% of the country wants term limits for these people, but they won't pass it. So who can who you know who polices the police? Who controls the government? Well, in America, the government gets its power from the governed. They are supposed to answer to us. So, you know, if you really want to look at, you know, the, they're talking about. Oh, the election, the big lie that Trump is spewing. No, if you really want to blame somebody, it needs to be all of them. They need to be blamed because they codified the conspiracy fact, oh, theory, whatever you want to call it, when they told all of us to shut up, get in line. The election was a secure, the most secure election in history, and don't ask any questions. You've just told every conspiracy theorist in the country that there's something going on, I need to ask questions. And that's why you got that many people in DC that day. Yeah. Because we knew something was wrong. Something was 100% wrong. I mean, I live in Podunk, middle of nowhere, Maryland, as small as Maryland is. My county was 68 in the top 100 for voter fraud that year. Right. Number 68. And, and they're gonna say that, oh, you know, the voter fraud didn't have anything to do with where I live. I live in Maryland. Well. I live in the most reddest part of Maryland ever. I don't think of, I, I, there's maybe five Biden voters where I live and they've all taken down their flags and their signs and their support for the guy. I mean, we know what we saw. It's the same thing with that day. We, I know what I saw. I don't care what that courtroom tries to tell me I was there for her. I was there to stop the peaceful transition of power. No, the peaceful transition of power commenced. He was inaugurated peacefully. Nobody was there. But he was inaugurated. The peaceful transition of power occurred. We didn't stop anything. But they have it painted, like we said before. They have this narrative. People can just, like I said, change one person's opinion. You know, I was going around the, those trucker convoys, and I was playing that Stop Hate video. And you would have no idea how many people had no idea that uh, idea that Derek got pushed off those steps. And how many people's jaws hit the ground and started crying when they saw the kids being gassed. If people could just see that, open up your eyes, take off the blinders and stop listening to what you're fed. We would be in a way different spot right now. Yeah, absolutely. 
and and when it comes to our our vote and our first amendment i mean your your vote is uh your your number one first amendment right and and when when they take away you know when they take away the the freedom to have a free and fair election then uh they've they've just immediately chopped off your your first amendment right there yeah and and i mean uh, soon i'm i'm sure a lot of people that see this will be soon to find out that um your second amendment as well because i'm also one of the protesters who um is facing uh weapons charge so there's that they they think the second amendment only applies to politicians and police officers um they're on camera in my interview admitting that the same firearm that i'm being charged for they carry and the officer literally said yeah technically what we carry is illegal too so it there goes your 14th amendment throw that out the window no equal you know equal justice under the law equal protection under the law it's gone it's it's, it's they have construed it and shifted and taken away little bit by little bit by little bit every portion of that document that protects us and they've slapped they've slapped trigger warnings on it and this document may may contain you know hateful speech are you serious like is this yeah. a joke yeah yeah it's it's unbelievable when, when we see things like that happen you know well uh, why yeah. don't you why don't you tell us um about the rest of your day um yeah so i mean once i got to the top of the steps you know i took off my gas mask um washed all the OC spray off my face for about 40 minutes. Um, and about that time, everybody was in the building. I was like, oh, okay. I had no plans of going in. Uh, all I wanted to do was get to the top of the steps, make as much noise as humanly possible, watch over the crowd while I did it and make sure everybody got home safe. Um, you know, I literally just spent the next couple hours wandering around on top of the West side steps, you know, um, until Virginia State Police showed up. And then more riot control devices went off and more gas and more rubber bullets. And that gigantic push to get everybody off the steps was the next big push of violence. And that's the thing that it's the Trump supporters were so violent, but we weren't. We defended ourselves. We were literally standing on top of the steps doing nothing wrong. And they waited, waited and waited and waited and waited. And then they just pushed everybody off the steps. No warning, no nothing. They just, the beatings continued. <laughs> you know, beatings will continue until morale approves. Well, I guess we didn't improve our morale enough for them to stop the beatings because it just did not stop. Um, once they pushed us off the steps, I walked back basically around back to the west side again, um, but by the scaffolding. Um, they formed another police line. They pushed us farther back no resistance no reason to keep gassing everybody but yet they still were um everybody's moving back when they said to move back um i got we got to the 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 wall again of the capitol they continued to push us that's where they brought in the national guard which is a whole another issue they you know deployed national guard soldiers on american soil without american flags on their uniforms um questions need to be asked there's some serious things that are all starting to make sense. If you really want to talk about a coup, an attempt to coup d'etat from Trump, the I don't think Trump would have deployed National Guard soldiers on American soil without the American flag on the uniform. But why did 
the Capitol when they finally deployed those DC National Guard soldiers? Why did they have them remove their American flags? It, it hadn't made sense to me for the longest time until I really started to think about it. And they called that National Guard unit at three o'clock, but yet they didn't deploy them until almost eight o'clock or six thirty, seven o'clock. Why? There's no reason to wait that long. They didn't want the DC National Guard and the Virginia National Guard to see the civil rights atrocities and the beatings that these DC police were giving to the American citizens because they knew the National Guard wouldn't stand for it. So they waited and waited and waited. Um, once they finally had pushed us way off the Capitol grounds, um, uh, unbeknownst to me, they had basically formed a circle around us. They had the big line pushing everybody away from the Capitol, but at the same time, they had a line of cops that had encircled the whole reflection pool and the peace circles. And when they were ready for it, they were going to round everybody up and arrest them. As they were telling us all to leave, everybody's complying, everybody's being told to leave. Um, I had somehow gotten, they were, I mean, as unorganized as they were, I had somehow gotten behind the police line in between the National Guard and the police. Um, and the cop was like, oh, go that way, go that way. I was like, okay. I had a megaphone in my one hand and I had my hand up in my other hand. I'm like, I'm going, I'm going. And he's like, you're not going fast. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going as fast as I can. Like, I'm not going to run people over in front of me to leave. Like, just, I'm not. Um, next thing you know, I felt a grab on my backpack and somebody lifted my backpack up. And that's when I just got clubbed right in the back of the head. Um, they yelled gun after they clubbed me and took me to the ground. No warning, no nothing. Um, again, complete, complete and utter disregard for their use of force policy. Um, bludgeoning somebody in the head is equal to deadly force. It is equal to drawing your sidearm and shooting. Uh, but yet there's no, no, um, the guidelines weren't followed. I wasn't given medical treatment. I wasn't taken to get medical treatment. The proper forms weren't filled out. He was supposed to be removed off the line and, and uh, given an investigation. He was put right back on the police line, allowed to go back out there and I'm assuming beat the crap out of more people. They, they, they and then they, they fight me to get the MRI on my, on my head. I, I want to, I need to get an MRI on my brain and I need to get the inquiry monitor removed off to get the MRI and they wait till like the day of my MRI to say, go ahead and cut it off. But by that point, it's already too late. Have you had, did you ever get the MRI? No, I got, a, I got it scheduled again for the 22nd, but I'm sure they're going to fight me up until the day of the 21st and then finally say, oh yeah, you can go ahead and cut it off. But like with doctors, you have to confirm that you're going to the appointment. It's the same thing with the VA. The VA wants confirmation. If you don't confirm your appointment, they cancel your appointment. So if I don't have the ankle, if I don't have the okay to have the monitor removed, I'm never going to get this MRI. I may never find out if that officer caused any brain damage or any kind of nerval damage or anything like that. I mean, there was no warning and to get whacked like that in the head. I mean, I've been pulled over having uh, had a concealed firearms permit in Virginia having lived in open state care, open carry states like Virginia, I've been stopped while carrying. Never been beaten in the head before until now, but you know, there's a way you can 
ask somebody to comply. And if they're not going to comply, then you escalate things. There was no, there was no uh, chance to comply. It was illegal search and seizure, beat them over the head, throw them in handcuffs. And that goes again, like everything else that happened that day that completely goes against the constitution. You cannot just, you know, I, I'm pretty sure New York even got rid of their stop and first laws. You cannot just grab somebody's persons and or property and search them without probable cause. And that's a whole nother thing. His story's changed. He said he saw a bulge. Then he said he saw bullets. Then he said he saw the bulge. Then the stenographer from the court had to testify that she made a, a typo. They don't make typos. Stenographers will stop the court to correct the record. They don't make typos. They're professional typers. Like you, you don't make errors. I literally watched the Proud Boys trial and the stenographer literally stood up, stopped court and had the attorney repeat himself so that he didn't make an error. The, I feel like I'm living in a nightmare. It's like a reoccurring Groundhog Day nightmare. It may not be the exact same every day, but it is just a nonstop nightmare. I was arrested the night of the 6th. Um, I was taken away from everybody else. Everybody else was taken to Central. I was taken to the 5th District, I guess, as one of their substations in D.C., uh, for questioning. Um, mind you now, I wasn't given my phone call. I wasn't given anything to wash the OC spray off my face. Um, I was put in a jail cell with my wet OC covered clothes and left there by myself. Um, fingerprints, they questioned me. I admitted that I had gotten hit in the head by the, to the detectives, still no medical aid or any kind of, do you need to go to the hospital questions, anything like that. Um, from 5D, I was there for about probably four or five hours. Um, somewhere, you know, mid-morning, uh, they decided that they wanted to transfer me to Central. They put me in the back of a, uh, you know, the paddy wagon, van, whatever you want to call it. Um, mind you, still soaked in the middle of January. It's freezing in D.C. I had all asked the officer to put on the heat, and he turned on the AC, full blast in the back of the truck while I'm sitting there in my soaking wet clothes, shivering, you know, to the point where I could definitely tell like I was hypothermic. Um, he said, don't worry, when you get to Central, it's warm down there. They have heat down there. Um, got to Central. It was warm, warm, full of cockroaches, mold everywhere. Um, they took my shoes, told me that I had to walk around barefoot on the floor, you know, with my socks on basically, but wasn't given any kind of footwear to wear. They gave me um, a tube of soap, but nothing to actually scrub my body with to get the OC spray off. So, and still no change of clothes. So even if I did re-wet the OC spray in my body, I was given nothing to dry off with or actually get it off with. So I was just going to reactivate the OC spray and be stuck in my jail cell suffering for another however many hours. Um, still not given a phone call. Was told that my court date was going to be at like 10 a.m. They moved to the two. I didn't get put in front of the judge until 6.30 that night. Um, I, had give, I was given a public defender, and at the time, I was given Judge Harvey. Um, both my public defender and Judge Harvey took a constitutional stand. 
prosecution was trying to accuse me of going inside and brandishing my firearm and of uh, you know x y and z and he's like well do you have any right uh, any proof of this or was mr alberts just carrying his you know firearm like the second amendment guarantees him to and they got all sorts of flustered and you could tell that they were you know just trying to throw shit against the wall and make it stick but it wasn't um and the, at the time my fiance wasn't working so judge harvey was literally as I was praying he was still going to be my judge just for fairness, but he's a magistrate judge and they're not allowed to see over felony. So they changed me to judge Cooper, but um, he straight up said, he's like, I can't lock this gentleman up. His wife, his fiance wasn't, my fiance wasn't working at the time. So my income was our income. He said, you know, until you, basically you have no evidence other than the fact that he had a firearm on him and you have no proof that he went in the Capitol grounds or in the Capitol building. I cannot hold him. And Judge Harvey released me, um, obviously with restrictions. He wanted me on the ankle monitor and <clears throat> so on and so forth. But, um, yeah, I got released the 7th um, by the grace of God. There was no – I was praying that whole time in that jail cell, and there is no other way to describe it other than God and a judge and a, pro, and a public defender who took a stand for the Constitution. Um, still wasn't giving my phone call, though. I had to literally go all the way back to the fifth district to get my wallet and keys where I had begged a police officer outside of the district or outside of the precinct that night to let me borrow his personal cell phone to call my fiance and tell her that I was alive and that I was coming home. And that was over 24 hours later that she finally heard my voice. That is, that is an incredible story, Chris. And yeah, only by the grace of God are, are you out um, and that you did not get thrown in, in the DC gulag with all of those other guys. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, again, if people can just wake up and just see the truth, you know, listen to my, my story, listen to everybody else's story, watch the videos that people are putting out there. You know, David Summerall's got a really good documentary. Jake Lang's got some really good video, of, you know, and some testimony of what happened with the the west side right there um you know like i said try to wake one person up write letters demanding the fourteen thousand hours be made public you know maybe just maybe down the road years from now we can all look back and say this was freaking wrong and we make sure it never happens again you know i thought we were already there but I, you know you forget history you're doomed to repeat it we're erasing history and here we are repeating history. We're right back in the same boat. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, where does where does your case stands now? Um, well, I was supposed to have trial starting uh the sixth. They just moved it. Um basically I filed so many motions and I put so much on the prosecution team that they thought they had this free ride until my new law team got involved and we had hit them with so much evidence that they out of nowhere, the judge is like, oh yeah, we're going to move the trial. So my trial got moved to April 11th. I'm going to assume, and that's just me, but I'm going to assume it's to give the prosecution time to go through the, I think it's like six or eight terabytes of evidence we dropped on them. Like they want to play dirty. My law team played right back. So, um, you know, that's where I sit. I have a hearing uh, prior, prior to that on, I think like the 5th of April, but it's just to, um address any outstanding motions the judge still hasn't addressed my motion to change venue 
I filed a motion to drop all the charges. I filed a motion. I filed so many motions. I can't even keep up with them anymore. Um, but yeah, as of right now, it's, it's April 11th. That's my next deadline. I don't see Judge Cooper moving it again. He seems like he is steadfast on locking me up and throwing away the key. Who's your legal team now? Um, John, John Pierce. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. He's got a great legal team. They, uh, they're, they're afraid of John Pierce in those courtrooms. Um, yeah, yeah, they are because I had, I had, um, basically through his paralegal, I had made contact, but I didn't think my attorney was John Pierce until one of my hearings. And, um, when the public, when the public defender I had at the time announced that that morning, the, uh, the briefing to be filed for him to come into the courtroom on my behalf was filed. And that public defense or the prosecutor went from having a free ride to where like, I think he had to run out of the courtroom and go check his shorts. Cause I think he just crapped himself. And the judge went from, Oh, Mr. Albers, you know, we're going to, this is going to be a two week, a two day process. He literally went from, Oh, we're going to schedule three weeks. to we're going to schedule one week. Yeah. You know what? I think with the government's evidence, your trial will be over in three days to you can literally tell he was like oh crap this is going to take a lot longer than i thought he's got a real <laughs> attorney now crap i mean it, the whole everything changed the the whole their demeanor changed the 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 way they carried themselves they they had a free ride i had a public defender who was literally laughing at the constitution so you know yeah well you know i i think it's providential that you're that your uh, trial is set for for four eleven, so they're going to get the four one one. They're going to get the real information. <laughs> I like that. I haven't, I haven't thought about that yet. But that's uh, that's pretty good. You're right. <laughs> they're going to get all the information on my trial, and that's you know they're that I feel like, and we all probably do. All of us chase searchers probably feel like our trial is the biggest. But like I've told everybody, if if I'm found guilty, you don't have a bill of rights and you don't have a constitution. The, the, the proud boys trial the trial of the century no my trial is the fight for america if, if an army veteran cannot peacefully assemble peacefully address his government and for grievances and peacefully practice his second amendment while politicians can that we like i said we are way way farther lost than i thought yeah they really, they really strip you guys of everything um, and make it very hard to uh, live a normal life, uh, make a living, support a family. How is that all going? Yeah, I mean, it's rough. I mean, again, not in the jail, but I have to check in once a week for two different officers, one in D.C., one in Maryland. Um, if I want to leave the state, I have to notify Maryland that I'm leaving the state, which is really crappy because I literally live like PA is right there. I mean, I can walk up the road and be in Pennsylvania. So it's kind of, uh, it, it, to me, it's, I feel like it was a way for them to hem me up. Like, oh, if he violates this order, we can throw him in jail. You Are know? you banned from DC? The only time I'm allowed to go to DC is if I'm seeing my law team. So I have to notify my Maryland probation or pretrial officer that I'm going to DC to meet up with my law firm. And not that he has to approve it, but I have to notify him. And the same thing with leaving the state. If I leave Maryland, I have to say, hey, by the way, I'm going to Virginia to see my family, you know, and it's just it's they want they want me to mess up. You know, um, I'm broke. The first attorney took 
my first attorney was a Virginia attorney, took 20 grand, represented me for six months, dropped the case and literally screwed me out of all the money. Did nothing for me, filed no motions, did absolutely nothing for me and took 20 grand from me. Um, and I'm not the only one he's messed over as well. He's actually taken money from other J6ers and something needs to be done about this guy. But um, Wait, yeah. that? Uh, John Kiyanaga. Okay. He's uh, he's an older attorney. You know, he's got the, the background to prove it, but he is not there no more. It, after having him for a little while, I'd say it's almost the equivalent to having Joe Biden as your attorney. It's not a good idea. If you're a J6er and you're thinking about going with John Kiyanaga, I suggest you put your money elsewhere. It's mm-hmm. not good. Has, um, has anybody tried to, to get any uh, retribution or, or go to the bar about? I have know? an open bar complaint against him right now. I have, I'm, I, I, I probably shouldn't have said it, but I straight up told uh, the public defender that was representing me at the time. Cause he says he knows John. I told him, I said, well, you could tell John this or not. I can care less. I said, but the last thing I do on this earth is I will make sure that man is just far. He should never be allowed to represent a single person ever because he, one, he doesn't, he just takes their money. So there, he should not be allowed to practice anymore, but that's, the, the things he did, that's a whole, we could talk for a whole another hour. Um, yeah. You know, again, people know who John Pierce is. He's not cheap, um, but there's a reason for that. He's got DC. He's got one. He's got so many J6 cases, but he's literally got this, this DC system on their heels right now. He had, he took them from two steps forward to their stepping back and they're backing off and they're, you know, they, they, I went from my original indictment was four charges. They increased to six. Then they superseded that indictment, increased to 10 with multiple counts on those charges. When he came in after a few months, they're dropping one of the charges. So they're starting to back off They're And maybe not so much that I would want them to, but they're starting to realize that this is not going to fly. And I feel like Maybe they're starting to realize that the appellate court is going to knock all this down. I don't know, but there's something changing. These, these prosecutors, I mean, my prosecutor was a tax fraud litigator prior to January 6th. They brought this guy on to prosecute me because they had nobody else. They, they, they are out of people. (laughs) Like it's just. Wow. That's, that's crazy. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. I, I have. You know, a lot of people are mentioning a change in the wind in the in in the cases and in the courtroom. Um, and uh, we're not sure if uh, you know these these judges actually just were so brainwashed that they they just believed what they were being told, and and that maybe they're actually starting to see some truth, and they're and they're seeing that with the 118th Congress that that there may be you know, some things going forward that are going to change, or um, you know, I'm not sure what's going on, but I I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, and that's where we as the American people can all get behind this movement. We can all write letters demanding a change of venue for us. I mean, I've filed the motion for it, but if people start writing the letters to this, this these new congressmen and say, or call them every day, you know, I call mine. I got the one Republican in Maryland. I call him almost, you know, monthly if I have to, daily if I have to, when they were doing the, uh, for the House Speaker, I was calling him every day and telling him what I, what I felt, you know, you may not feel like it matters, but write letters, call these people, demand 
the change, demand a change of venue, demand that these judges recuse themselves. It is a giant Marxist incestuous cesspool. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like I said, where do where do we go? Where do Americans go for political asylum, for political persecution? Yeah. We have nowhere to go. Yeah, I, I think right now our our best hope is is this is this new Congress, and and I'm really hoping that that they'll be able to make some some steps. And you know, since uh, these committees have formed and they've and they've started up, we've we've seen some positive things. So, you know, I, I think that's that's one of our our biggest hopes, and that's why it's so important to call and email your Congress people. Yeah, and 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 again, you know, write write letters to them, call them, but don't forget about the Patriots either. I get. The Patriot Mail Project, man, I tell you what, every time I'm down, God's like, oh, yeah, here's here's 10 letters to read of people supporting you. And let me boost up your confidence. And it, it's literally like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I get into the slumps and then I'll get an email. I'll go check your postal box, you know, your P.O. box. You got a bunch of letters and, I'll, and it'll be stacks and stacks of letters from I've gotten pe- letters from people in London. The UK, I had a lady literally put four postage stamps on a postcard from the UK to send it all the way out here to me just to say, hey, we we stand behind you. We know the truth and never give up. Like this movement, this this whatever you want to call it is bigger than all of us. It's not right versus left. It's good versus evil. It's 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 a spiritual battle. I mean, I've. Since January 6th, I started going to church. You know, I've started a veterans group in my church. I, I've been baptized twice now. I mean, <laughs> this, yeah. You can also I, be baptized once. <laughs> I've baptized myself twice since J6. Yep. Uh, I've, I've told my church about it. I, my church knows about what, I, what I'm going through. And you know what their response is? Not, not kick me out. Not, I get prayers. And I mean, these people pray over me and reach out and you can feel it, man. You, I literally, it was last Sunday, I just got baptized and out of nowhere, people that, you know, we had talking to come up and surround, it was just me and my fiance getting baptized. They came up and surround the tank, you know, reaching their arms out and you can just feel it. It, it. There's a massive, massive movement going on right now and it's not right versus left. It's spiritual. It's good versus evil. Yes. Yeah. There's no question about that. It really isn't. I am. I am so glad to hear that you have such great uh, support from your church and from uh, people writing letters to you. And uh, that that is amazing Uh, because I have heard stories from people whose whose churches, you know, have have banished them, you know, even even stories of people having uh, calling the police to have someone removed from their church. Uh, who who was a J sixer just just because they were you know I'm on the security team at my church <laughs> like they That's they great. feel safer when I'm there um, yeah, you know some people in my church I, I guess it's like everywhere you tell some people and some people are just gonna believe what they you know some people that were I knew that I talked to and once I told them about what was going on they don't really talk to me so much anymore but they haven't like they don't turn and walk away from me you know they still come up and say hi to me and stuff like that but um my lead pastor knows about it. And when I told him I wanted to get baptized, but I was afraid to because I had the ankle monitor on, he's like, screw it. If they want to judge you, they don't belong here. And you can, you need to get baptized. He's like, I'm baptizing you. I mean, that right there was like the biggest sigh of relief because I was terrified. I wanted to do it, but I was terrified because I was scared of how I was going to be judged. 
and because of how they portray everything in the media. And now I feel like the more people find out about me and what I'm going through is the more support I get, the more love I get, the more prayers I get. I mean, you know, it's, I, I, I get more people sending me emails and prayers on my gifts and go and letters than I do actual monetary donations and the prayers and I'll get on my gifts and go and I'll go back and I'll read everything that everybody's written to me from day one of me starting that page. And it's just the, the encouragement is, is so much it's, it's between prayer and faith. It has gotten me through this. You know, you were talking about the betrayal earlier and it's, it's real. I mean, those are my medals. Those are my awards. There's another one. I have a fire pit out back. I've been to the point where I was ready to rip them off the wall, throw them in the fire pit, throw gasoline on it and call it a day. And if it wasn't for my fiance and, you know, just the, the drive to not want to give up the hope that America is what I fought for, what I defended. It's not democracy. I can tell you that much. I didn't fight for democracy as whole. Oh, they, they attack on democracy. Well, if you're going to call America democracy, well, then, yeah, it should have been attacked because America is not a democracy. There's nothing democratic about this country. It's not in our constitution. It's not in our declaration of independence. The word does not exist anywhere in our founding. Yeah. Amen. So, you Amen. know, again, I, I just need people to keep writing letters, keep praying, you know, go to my gifts and go take that $20 you would to buy your coffee for the week or, and, and donate it to people like me that are taking a stand, you know, I'm willing to go all the way to the Supreme court. I'll ride this out for as long as I have to. If it affirms my belief in the bill of rights and the first and second amendment and everyone after that, I'll take this fight as far as I humanly have to, but I cannot do that without support. I mean, lawyers that fight these cases are not cheap. You, you, you don't win appeals courts with a public defender you don't win Supreme Court cases with public defenders. You need a legit lawyer, a legit law team with people who know the ins, outs, and can take a stand. And I, I, more than ever right now, I need people to understand that, that, you know, the left, when they, when they have somebody that's in trouble and needs money, I don't know how they do it, but they sure was well find it. You know, if everybody can just take that $5 once a week, you know, that's $20 at the end of the month. Take that $20 and donate it. If you can do that every week, that's great. If you can't, if I've had people give me $5. I've had people give me no money. Send me a prayer. Send me a letter. And not just, again, not just me. This isn't just me. It's it's America. You're, you're, you're speaking to Americans. You're speaking to the people that took a stand that day. Um, don't let them feel forgotten. You know, until the Patriot Mail Project put me on their list. Yeah, I, I felt forgotten. I felt like it was me and me alone. Um, but it's not. We're, we're all in this together. If, if I fail and if my rights don't matter, yours don't either. Yeah. And that, that, was, always, that was so beautifully said, Chris, that I, I just don't want to, I don't want to ruin it by saying anything else. Um, and uh, I, uh, I want to thank you so much. Uh, for coming on and telling your story and for all you've done for, for showing up that day. I want to thank you for your service for our country 
And uh, I want to thank you for your, your continued fight and uh, for not backing down. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Thank you very much for uh, giving me the opportunity to come on and speak to you today. And I hope uh, this gets out there and a lot of people see it. And like I said, all it takes is that one person to wake up. That's all I need. One person on my jury to see the truth. It's all it takes is one. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. And uh, please check out Chris's Gibson Go. I'll share a link. And, uh, you know, patriotmailproject.com is, is where you can uh, find how to write to, uh, to Chris and to all of our, our political prisoners. So thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Mel. Again, appreciate you having me on and uh, continue doing what you're doing to keep the fight up. We need people, more people like you. So thank you so much. Well, Shane is calling us from inside the, the DC Gulag. And he wanted to share with us um, a, a new program, a new campaign that's been started. So, uh, Shane, what is this campaign all about? As you know, Mel, uh, the Gulag you know, since I've been locked up, I've been through quite a few different things. And the first thing I went through was 11 days without a shower, um, 30 days without access to the phone, and that's right after I got arrested. So imagine how my mind was racing trying to use that phone. And then after I arrived here in D.C., we went, everybody, me included, went 13 months without haircuts due to us refusing to be vaccinated. Um, we went 22 months without being allowed visits due to the vaccine. They wanted us to be vaccinated as well as our family members. We were also denied religious services. That means no communion, no going to the chapel, no nothing for 22 months um, because of our vaccination status. So, um, the real day six, you know, we did a call to action. Our first call to action was asking people to write Muriel Bowser and write the director, Thomas Faust, uh, of the DOC here in D.C. and call and email uh, and about getting us religious services and visitation. So um, early in January, Congressman Troy Nels from, from Texas came in and with everybody's assistant uh, who wrote called and emailed and he came in and closed the deal for us and he got his visits and um, religious services and so you know we were all happy and celebrating we you know we were, we potentially get to see our family and then you know for about a day we it, it kind of sunk in that you know I'm from from Houston Texas my children all live in Dallas Fort Worth and I was like you know I'm Typically, the, you know, most of the guys in here are typically the breadwinners. Not that's not 100 percent across the border, but who can have their wives take off, you know, a couple days and get the kids and then buy the plane tickets, pay for hotels, uh, pay for the food up here, and you know, you got Uber back and forth to the airport, and then and it's just expensive, right? And so everybody's kind of like, and you're missing the breadwinner. So you know. That kind of thing again, and then I, I called uh, one of the members of, uh, of my team at the Renault J6, and by the time I guess the bell had stuck in, they were like, we have a great idea. And I was like, what's that? And they brought up the plan, what has come uh, to be known as Operation Love Wins. Operation Love Wins. I love it. Basically, what that is, is going to be easy. We're... We're going to be set up to, I, I think it actually goes live. It went, maybe went live uh, 30 minutes ago at noon. But we're going to be set up to accept frequent flyer miles, hotel reward points, and we have set up a Gibson Go, which 
is givesendgo.com forward slash love wins. And what we're going to try to do, this is a rough estimate. We're going to try to raise about $2,000 per person in the Gulag, which is 21 people. So that puts us in. We're trying to raise about $42,000. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to pay for air, uh, airfare, you know, the Ubers to and from the airport and to and from the air. We're also going to do Airbnb or hotel room. And we're going to pay for them to get to the jail and back to their to their room. And we're going to provide a per diem for the family um, while they're here in town. And so we're going to do that for up to four people per person here. And it doesn't necessarily have to be all in one trip, but we're going to try to, you know, we're going to try to get people's families back in touch with their loved ones. The only thing better than union is a reunion. I think that's absolutely amazing. Uh, you guys have a, it, what'll it be, your your third visit um, coming up tomorrow on Friday? Is that right? I think it's our fourth. Actually. Is it fourth? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I guess January 13th was the first one. That's the one I came to. And I'm very much looking forward to coming back again. Uh, tell me, uh, how's the masking situation going on? Oh, they're actually today. They're really cracking down about the mask. They they're cracking down because we were supposed to be going in the other direction. That's what they told uh, Representative Nell's office is that they were going to be getting rid of the masks. I think they told them that they had lifted all COVID restrictions, which was a lie. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, we 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 were getting pushback because we were supposed to be able to go for the religious services to go to the chapel and. I, you know, if you want to look up Warden Lantern, and I don't know if he's still on Twitter or not, but he's not a fan of ours. And he was over the building that we're in. So we're not allowed to go to the chapel now after they give him our religious services. So they bring the volunteer to the dorm, which is fine, whatever. Um, but yeah, you know, they these people don't. That's why they say don't give up your freedoms, because it's always hard to get them back. Yeah. The people in control, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yes, I, I have outed. I have outed recently in the past few days, uh, Warden Landerkin on, uh, on Twitter. And, uh, that's, that's been shared many times, uh, in, including the, the screenshots of, of her, of her, uh, hate for Trump and, and quote Trumpers, uh, you know, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you would think, how can you put somebody in a position of authority or that would be like, being or being a judge or being a juror in one of our trials. Mm -hmm. or... mm -hmm. Yeah, I called it earlier today the uh, the Mark incestuous Marxist cesspool. I think something to that effect. <laughs> That's what, what all of DC is. You know, they just um, they mix and mingle at their cocktail parties and all all uh, you know share and and reinforce the narrative. You know, it's it's almost like Heil Hitler. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. but, you know, the, the food has gotten a little bit better since Mr. Nell's game. We we are being active in here. We have one TV that works, but we have three TVs in here, right? Two of them don't work. And we, we all sat down yesterday, 20 of us, and wrote grievances on the TVs. And they had somebody in here by noon today, either figuring out how they're going to get the other ones fixed or they're going to change them out or whatever. So, mm. Well, that's that's good. It's the little wins, right? We're going to have this place how we want it by the time we get out of here. <laughs> the ultimate man cave in the DC Gulag. <laughs> uh, well, Shane, I'm going to, I'm going to help you get out the word. Um, 
And I hope everybody will share this episode of Justice and Jeopardy to get out the word about uh, the Gibson Go slash Love Wins. And where can they find uh, the rest of the information? Go to therealj6.com. You can also find our other call to actions on there. You can find this um, fundraiser event. And also, if you go to therealj6.com, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. We're happy to say we actually have a thousand subscribers to our newsletter now. So oh, that's excellent. I, I've been enjoying your newsletter. I love getting it every week. We also are going to have resources added on there where people want to send care packages or figure out how to send books to us because we did a Twitter space the other night that was really, there were some good questions coming out of it. We're like, we need to have that information available for people who want to be engaged or want to help. We also have a roster of who else here in the flag. We have links to their gift and goes that people feel led to donate to them. Um, our team is going to be at back here in D.C., so we're excited about that. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on, but if you want to check it out, go to therealday6.com. Um, and if you want to see specifically Love Wins, you can go to therealday6.com forward slash Love Wins, and it'll take you directly to this fundraiser to help us reunite families. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Shane. And uh, I will I will get this out. Uh, everybody else, share it too, please. And um, you know, I look I look forward to seeing this uh, blossom and grow and and get these families reunited for sure. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, ma'am. We appreciate you. God bless you. All right. Bye, Shane. Thank you. If you'd like to help us support J six families as they're released from jails and prisons please check out the Elijah Fund. You can find that on our website, a4justice.org slash T-E-F. Americans for Justice, Inc. is a nonpartisan alliance that vigorously defends the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and due process across our great nation, which are pivotal to preserving life, liberty, and freedom for all. Too long we have played defense and are losing on all battlefronts through divided efforts. The root problem of election integrity, medical freedom, political prisoners, southern border crisis, CPS and APS and others is one common thing, a direct assault on the U.S. Constitution and due process. Americans for Justice is a nonprofit organization with local chapters in all 50 states, working with lawyers, legal scholars, and organizations to actively fight government overreach at all levels. Unite with us in the fight for our J6 political hostages and whatever else due process rights are violated. We ask for your support in this vital mission through a one-time donation or an ongoing membership. Go to the letter A, the number 4, justice.org.